Kate liked him, but if she set sentiment aside and forced herself to be strictly objective, she had no choice but to admit that a kindly country lawyer from the West, with but one term in Congress to his credit, was ill-prepared to steer the ship of state, especially through the rough waters the nation faced. Any observer could see that, and in fact many had, and had said so in the streets and in the press. No one expected much of the new president, and they expected even less of his over-eager, over-anxious wife, a matron in her mid-forties who had thus far failed to make a favorable impression on Washington's social elite. Fortunately, Mr. Lincoln would have Salmon P. Chase to advise him. As for Mrs. Lincoln, for the good of the nation and the Republican Party, some kind lady ought to befriend her, become her confidant, and help her navigate the thorny maze of Washington society. Kate resigned herself to the likelihood that no one was better suited for the role than herself, though she was more than twenty years younger than Mrs. Lincoln. Mr. Secretary, a voice rang out. Glancing to her left, Kate glimpsed a freckled young man in a brown suit, two sizes too large for his bony frame, waving a handful of papers and grinning hopefully. Mr. Secretary, a moment of your time, if you please. He's no one, Kate murmured, not unkindly. Her father was terribly nearsighted, but he hated to wear his spectacles in public and often relied upon Kate to identify people at a distance. He had been known to pass good friends and acquaintances on the sidewalks or halls of Congress without recognizing them, an unfortunate habit that contributed to his reputation as being aloof and uncongenial. As other eager, avaricious faces turned their way, father offered Kate his arm. Let's make haste. Quickly, Kate slipped her hand into the crook of his elbow and hurried off beside him. Perhaps you should throw a few minor treasury appointments after us to distract them, she teased, breathless. Rather like Aphrodite's golden apples, but in reverse. I'll have no Hippomenes catch my Atalanta, her father declared, quickening his pace as he guided her through the crowd. Laughing, Kate did her best to keep up with him, though she was shorter than her father by nearly half a foot, and encumbered by her corset and hoopskirt. At last they reached the portico, where the burly, white-haired doorman greeted them in an Irish brogue and admitted them into the vestibule. They passed through the main hall into the blue room, a graceful ellipse with tall windows overlooking the south lawn on the Potomac River. It seemed to Kate to be in better repair than the other public rooms of the executive mansion, which were shabbily furnished with threadbare and tobacco-stained rugs, broken furniture, torn wallpaper, and ruined draperies, from which souvenir collectors had snipped pieces until they hung in tatters. Here, however, all was in elegant order. The chairs and settees were upholstered in rich blue and silver damask, the woodwork brilliantly gilded. Ornate mirrors on the marble mantel reflected the light from the chandeliers hanging high above from a frescoed ceiling of cerulean blue beneath which men of influence, clad in evening black, and their ladies in elegant gowns of every hue, mingled and chatted, the soft blue-and-white carpet muffling their footsteps. Before passing from the brightly lit hall into the blue room, the chases paused in the doorway, long enough for almost thirty pairs of eyes to turn their way. Conversations paused as the guests took in the newcomers, and as Kate smiled warmly and nodded gracefully to one acquaintance after another, 
She drew herself up proudly, knowing how she and her father looked to them. Salmon P. Chase. Tall, broad-shouldered, and powerfully built, his features strong and regular beneath a high, clear brow projecting intelligence, courage, and dignity, was the very image of a statesman. And Kate herself, auburn-haired, hazel-eyed, young, slender, vivacious, becomingly attired in a gown of pale yellow silk, her hair arranged in a simple, elegant twist and adorned with white flowers, was the very ideal of the accomplished, dutiful daughter. You look like the king and queen of Washington, her younger sister Nettie had sighed wistfully upon their departure from home. Father had taken a moment to lecture his youngest child on the superiority of American democracy to European monarchy, which she accepted with a good-natured shrug.